Hey gamers, this is Joe from What I'm Playing Now, and I have episode 138 of the podcast that was originally recorded on November 14th of 2016. Some of the games I played this week, some Pathfinder Adventure card game, we finally got to pick out our roll cards, and I'm really stoked at the one I have. I played a little Fuse, a nice little dice game, some Hanamikoji, an interesting little battle lines take on a card game, and some Kanagawa, where I played an artist, which I definitely can't do in real life. And I also talked about a few of the games that I want to play. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to the games. This is Joe Luzzi from What I'm Playing Now, and welcome to episode 138 of the What I'm Playing Now podcast. As always, you can send me some emails and let me know what you're playing now. You can send those emails to whatimplayingnow at gmail.com. You can also join us in some conversations over on BoardGameGeek. We have a guild over there. Our guild number is 2440. Just look for What I'm Playing Now. On Twitter, at What I'm Playing Now is our name on Twitter. Don't forget to drop the G like I always say. On Facebook, What I'm Playing Now is what you need to search for to find us there. On Google+, we are plus.google.com slash the plus sign What I'm Playing Now podcast. And then, as always, our Twitch channel is twitch.tv slash What I'm Playing Now. All right, let's jump into a few of the things I've played this past week. This episode probably will not be nearly as long as my last episode because I didn't go down to the game store and play for a total of 13 hours straight like I did on the Saturday for Extra Life a couple weeks ago. But I did get some good games in this week, so we're going to talk about those. And, of course, we're going to start off with a little Pathfinder Adventure card game because I did get a chance to play that last Sunday. And my group finally entered into the fourth scenario set for the season of the Rune Lords. We got through 2-4-A, Stone Mage's Spite, as well as 2-4-B, the Tormented Trolls. The first one, uh, well, let's talk about actually entering into the fourth scenario. So when you enter into the fourth scenario set after you finish up the, fir- the third scenario, you actually get to pick your role card for the Pathfinder Adventure card game. And I'm, I've been playing as the Inquisitor, and I've talked about the Inquisitor on a couple of episodes so far, and I've talked about how much I've, I'm really enjoying this class of character for the card game and a lot of the different skills and abilities that I'm able to do. But I will say, adding on the roll card of Death's Heretic for my Inquisitor is just making it that much more fun. Of course, the first skill that I took was the one that gave me more damage in dealing out with my finesse weapons. It took me from plus two to plus four. And then the second one that I actually took was basically if the top card of the deck is a Blessings of the Blessings discard pile, uh, has the basic or Phrasma trait on it, I get to add one die to my check to defeat. So it's just making the character that much stronger. Every time I defeat a monster, I'm still able to heal myself for one, which is one of the coolest abilities that I've I've just really enjoyed taking. And it's I think it's just just a lot of fun being able to not have to rely on other people as far as healing goes or if your deck starts getting too low. I have had to have a couple of heals here or there when things got a little hectic and I was fighting other things other than straight monsters running into barriers and different things like that that were causing damage. But most of the times fighting monsters or the villains and everything is just making this character pretty much that much stronger and just being able to kind of cycle through my cards at a really good pace. So that's a little bit of a discussion on my character. Let's talk about a couple of the scenarios that we actually went through. So the first one was actually fairly easy, and we made it through pretty quick, I think. It was one of the faster scenarios we finished, especially entering into the four scenarios that we were kind of surprised that we were able to knock it out so quickly. 
But the second one, the Tormented Trolls, was a little more interesting because defeating the trolls required you to have a fire weapon, I believe it was. It was interesting in that in this scenario, you actually got to kind of assist other players in kind of turning through their deck by flipping over the top card, and they were able to decide whether to leave it on the top or put it on the bottom. And we we used this ability somewhat, but not as much as we probably should have been. But several of us did have fire weapons out there or magic, and we were able to disperse the trolls. It did come down to close at the end, where a couple of us were just trying to churn one player through their deck to get that weapon back out there that they needed or the spell back out there that they needed. I can't remember which which character of ours um, actually completed this one when it came to ending the actual scenario for us. But it was really interesting in that I really like some of the different things they're doing with the scenarios. It's, it's a lot different than what we ran into in Skull and Shackles as well as um, Wrath of the Righteous. Uh, the Season of the Rune Lord, some of the different things that they're having you do in the scenarios are really, really different. And I'm I'm hoping that the next one for the, the Mummy's Mask, I think it is, is going to be just as challenging and as well as offering up different things. And hopefully they can just continue to think of different different things for all these scenarios up for us to do so things don't seem to kind of get stuck in a rut. But so far, I'm really liking Season of the Rune Lords. Hopefully we're going to be able to knock out the fourth scenario set here during our next meetup because I think there's only actual, actual four scenarios in there and we're knocking out two or three per meetup. So should be an interesting one and hopefully we can get done with this one and on to the Goblin scenario, which will be coming up next. All right, and then after that, I went down to the game store on Monday night and played a few games. One of the first games I believe that we brought to the table was a little dice game called Fuse. I had never played Fuse before, and I had heard, I think, Rado talk about this one before, and I was always really interested in trying it out, and I was kind of glad that we were able to get it to the table and give it a shot. So on Fuse, each player is going to have a couple of cards in front of them, and there's going to be a stack of cards off to the side of the de- uh, off to the side of the table. What you're trying to do on your turn, one person is going to be rolling the dice, and each person will need to take two dice from the die from the dice, different dice that are rolled, and they're trying to complete or match the dice with the cards that are in front of them. So you will need to either match numbers or color, possibly both, I think, in some regards. And you're trying to fill up the cards in front of you in a and you have ten minutes to do this in. And you're trying to fill up the cards in front of you with the dice that are rolled. And like I said, each person has to take two dice. So you can't have one person taking three or four dice out of the... I think we had two of us playing, so we were rolling five dice per turn. And any dice that you can't use, you re-roll. And those dice uh, could possibly be removed from the tableau or the, I guess you could say, the two cards that are in front of you. If you want to call that a very small tableau, I guess you could say. So it's... It's a really crazy, hectic game because it is timed. You're trying to roll the dice, try to see what you have, match them up, get the dice, roll those, get rid of any dice that you can or any dice that you have to, put the dice back in the bag, grab another five dice, roll again, and just keep rinsing and repeating this until you can get through that stack of cards that is to the side of the table. As long as you can get all of the cards out of that deck and in front of both of the players, the last four cards that are in front of the players, two in front of each player, don't necessarily need to be completed. You just need to deplete the pile and get the cards in front of them. And if you can do that within the 10 minutes you win the game. So we actually did that and we were, I think we were down to about 30 minutes or 30 seconds, I guess I should say, before we actually stopped the timer and we were able to finish the dice rolling and the craziness. But it was really interesting. It was a lot of fun. It's a game where it's pretty much co-op because you don't want to be trying to 
necessarily take all the dice for you. If one of the players that you're playing with has a card that maybe has a little bit higher of a difficulty, because the cards do have different numbers on them, which can signify a difficulty set as far as how many dice may need to go on there or maybe the difficulty in getting the combination of dice that you need. So if somebody has maybe a more difficult card than you, giving them first chance or first pick at the dice to possibly fill up that card over you may be the way to go because if you have a card that is a little easier you may be able to get those dice on the next roll whereas if your opponent needs something that's really doesn't come up too often you may want to let them take the dice and start filling in their card so it's pretty cool i really like the game i think it's one that i'll probably be adding to my collection i could see my wife and i sitting around playing this game playing with it after having a few beers but i have a feeling after having a few beers with this one things might get a little hectic and we probably wouldn't make the 10 minute timer but it was it was really cool i really enjoyed fuse the look of the cards was nice the dice were nice and fuse if you have not played it yet definitely something you should probably get to the table and try out I, like I said, I will probably be adding this one to my collection soon. All right. And then after that, we played a little game of Hani Mikoji. This is a little Japanese card game along the lines of like a battle lines. There's going to be a set number of cards in between the two players. What you're trying to do is each player has four different action tokens in front of them. And you're going to have a deck of cards. You're going to take the cards or take five cards draw draw five cards from the pile on your turn you're going to draw an additional card and then you're going to perform one of those four action tiles that's in front of you you'll basically flip it over and to signify that you did that because you can only do one of those actions per the round and what you're trying to do is you're trying to play cards on your side of the table in front of the cards that are in the middle of the table that will give you the most points so if i have a five card and the five card is all the way to the the right of me which is how it was and i have three fives on there and my opponent only has two fives on his side the token that is on that five card would basically be be kind of like put my way at the end of the round and that's how you're kind of going to score up so whoever has the most cards in front of the center cards on that particular path there will get to score the points at the end of the round. And what you're trying to do is you're trying to get up to 11 points. And we were playing, I believe, a little incorrectly in that we weren't leaving the tokens moved to the opponent's or move to whoever had scored them that round, we were resetting them each round. So we were trying to basically get 11 points in one round, which took us, oh, a good 20 minutes, I would say, of playing this game before I was actually able to achieve this. So we had talked about this afterwards and made some corrections and we're like, okay, we're gonna have to try this one again because we were playing this one a little wrong. But I guess you could say we were probably playing this game on the more difficult, I guess, scenario setting in that not resetting those points did make it much, much harder. Because to me, it almost seemed like a game of tic-tac-toe in that somebody would always possibly try to go for the five cards and the four cards, which pretty much negated anything else, getting you up to almost 11 points. It was really hard to do that. It's just a kind of like a push-your-luck type game because there's cards that you're going to be... Some of the different actions that you're going to be able to take, there's a one card that's going to let you discard two cards that aren't going to be used that round another one lets you basically take three cards out of your hand your opponent will take one card and then you get two cards the other one will let you have four cards out of your hand your opponent gets to take two and then you get the two that are left and then there's another one where you basically just get to place one card face down i believe it is in front of you that you can then play at the end of the round so i think those are the four different actions that you're able to take 
And it's just really interesting in some in some strategy as far as what cards do you want to not use for the round? When do you want to pull the four cards out of your hand and put together maybe a combination of cards that may be, you know, where one card your opponent may want, but the other card they may not. And then the other two cards that possibly could be up there, you know, your opponent might not want at all. So it's, you really have to think about what cards, you know, what number of cards will go together and what combinations to try to see what your opponent's going to take. So it was a really cool little game. The art on the cards, I will say, was really nice. That was one really cool thing about the game. Hanemakoji, really interesting little card game if you're like two-player games like this that are similar to like a battle lines where you're kind of just going for victory points to see who can win based on playing cards on the side of the table. Try to get this one to the table. This was a pretty cool one. I kind of really liked it. And then after that, we played a little game of Kanagawa. Kanagawa is where you're basically being an art student. You're going to have two, I guess you could say, art brushes that you're going to be utilizing. And this game has a little bit of a push your luck component to the game because there's going to be columns on the on the center tile that are going to have cards flipped out on them each round. Or I think they're actually small cards that kind of look like, you know, smaller tiles. They were kind of square cards, actually, not more rectangular cards. And what's going to happen is the person who has the first player token will be able to flip over the cards. And then that player will be able to say whether they want to take either of those cards in the column or not, and whether they want to study with those cards, and then the opponent will be able to do the same, and they could possibly take one of those cards. And if neither person takes a card, then two more cards come out underneath those, and you're going to fill up a column. I think it was with three cards. So after that second card is taken, if if neither person is going to take a card, the third card will come out, and then somebody will need to take one of the columns, and then the other person will need to take a column as well. And what you're going to be able to do with these columns are, depending on the color of cards you have in your tableau in front of you, you, which you can move a paintbrush to, you'll want to either utilize the card to be painted, which will then put it in your top row for scoring, where there are different sets that you're trying to collect. There's different animals you're going to try to collect. You can get tiles for certain number of buildings or tiles for certain number of characters being on the cards that either match or don't match. And there's different tiles on the board set into different groups. And whenever you can complete one of those sets for collection, you have the opportunity to take that tile or possibly wait to get more of those cards into your tableau in front of you which could then get you a better tile which will get you more victory points at the end of the game so there's several different components to the game where you're pushing your luck you're pushing your luck when it comes to the part of when do you take the particular cards out of the column if a card comes up that you need to possibly finish out maybe the highest level set collection for collecting the different animals do you take that card immediately and only get one card this round or do you possibly push your luck and hopefully your hope that your opponent doesn't take that card that you need to where you can maybe get an extra card that round to maybe give you some extra victory points or to maybe give you another brush to be able to paint another color later around in the game so you really have to figure out when do i want to take the cards and not only that when do i want to take the select collection tiles to be able to start scoring those because those are really what's going to assist you with scoring victory points at the end of the game the game's going to end i believe when somebody has 11 cards in their top part of the tableau your tableau has two different parts so if you can't necessarily pay the paint cost for a card the card goes into the lower row which it could then be used to possibly put a paintbrush on or it could be just be giving you victory points 
So a couple of different things going on in this little card game of Kanagawa, but it's a nice small card game that was really cool and something that I really enjoyed. I was really surprised at how much I actually enjoyed it because at first I really wasn't too sure where the whole theme of the card game was going or what was kind of going on. And one of the other things that's really neat about the game is the card, the where you're actually flipping the cards onto for the columns, it's basically like a little bamboo tile. Some of the cards are going to be placed face up, and then there's going to be red squares spaced throughout that bamboo tiles where those cards will actually go face down. So it kind of mixes in a whole nother component to the game of pushing your luck and not actually knowing what you're actually going to possibly get on your turn if you take the cards that are face down. So, like I said, quite a, you know, there's a little bit going on in the game. It was really easy to pick up on, really easy to learn, but there's a heck of a lot of strategy going on in the game as far as trying to figure out when to take cards, when to take the set collection, when to, how to use your paintbrushes, when to take certain cards that could actually get you more paintbrushes so you can possibly utilize more cards on a round. So this is a game that I thought was really cool. I really enjoyed it. The art on the cards is another thing that is just gorgeous. Considering you are playing an art student, you would kind of think that the whole game does look great. And I will say the game is a very, very good looking game. If you can get Kanagawa to the table, definitely check that one out. I would definitely recommend it. It was a really cool two player game. I believe the game also goes up to four players. Wouldn't mind getting in a four player game list to see how it actually plays, to see how your strategies will change a little bit with some of the different tiles and when some of them, when there's actually more cards to be able to choose from. But Kanagawa is a game that I would definitely recommend picking up and trying to get to the table and probably adding to your collection as well. All right, so those are the games I played for this past week. Let's jump over to something that I would like to maybe get to the table. I've been hearing on some of the different podcasts that I listen to some talk about a game from Stronghold Games called Great Western Trail. I was looking at my collection earlier today because we're trying to figure out what games we're going to be playing this evening. And in looking at my collection, I don't think I have a Western-themed game in my collection. In Great Western Trail, from what I've heard and from what I've seen about the game so far, it looks like a really interesting game. I enjoy Stronghold Games games quite a bit, so I have a feeling this is going to be one that's going to be jumping into my Christmas list and one that I'm hopefully going to be able to maybe get here. I haven't seen anybody have it down at my game store yet, so hopefully we can find somebody with this game, get it to the table and see how it is. But from what I've seen and from some of the different things I've read about it and heard about it so far, this is a game I'm kind of interested in, not only for the theme, but because it does sound like something that would be right up my alley as far as games that I would like to play. Then there's another little game that I saw at my local game store a couple weeks ago. I was looking at the box and I've read um, a little bit about the game as well. Watched a few videos on that one. That game is called Innis. This looks like a really interesting game. The box for this one appears to be very large and seems to be kind of heavy. So there's, there is a little bit of heft to this game. And this sounds like a game that would probably be something that my group would really enjoy playing. The art on outside of the box as well as from what I've heard of inside of the box is really good for this game. So Innis is the second game that I I wouldn't mind getting to the table here soon. I haven't seen anybody in my direct group actually playing this game yet, but I have seen that several copies of the game has sold down at my friendly local game store, so I know some people in the area must have it. So hopefully we'll be able to get this one to the table soon as well. But other than that, that is it for this week. Like I said, going to be a little bit shorter of an episode. My wife and I are going to head out, be heading down to the game store here shortly this afternoon 
to go for a night of gaming. And so we're not really too sure what's going to be going to going to make it to the table yet. But hopefully we get a couple of new things to the table. So I will have more things to talk about next week. But other than that, as always, you can let me know what you're playing now. You can send those emails to what I'm playing now at gmail.com. You can also join us in some conversations over on Board Game Geek. We have a guild there. We are guild number 2440 on Twitter. At what I'm playing now is my Twitter name. You can follow me there and I will tweet out pictures of what I'm playing during the week as well as some other things I will retweet from the gaming industry as well. Don't forget to drop the G like I always say in at what I'm playing now, which is on Twitter, Facebook. Just do a search for what I'm playing now. Our Google Plus page is plus.google.com slash the plus sign what I'm playing now podcast. And then as always, our Twitch channel is twitch.tv slash what I'm playing now. Until next week, everybody, you go have a great week gaming and you know what you need to do. Go out there, play some games and then let me know what you're playing now. Have a great week, everybody. I'll be back next week. We will see you then. Bye bye.